I'm going to talk to you. I hope you'll listen. For, I hope you give me 30 minutes. And listen, because it's going to help you. I believe the foundation of evangelism is hope. I believe the very foundation of evangelism is hope. In 1 Corinthians, our text, chapter 9, verse 10, and I'll read the last part of verse 10, and then spend the next 30 minutes trying to elaborate, as God allowed me to from various angles, to try to help us get this real deep in our soul. Now, we that have, we that have, have, have understood this uh, and are practicing it, uh, this is not new truth to us by any means. Because you people that have been in evangelism for 20, 30, 40 years, uh, undyingly, uh, undefeatably, uh, unstoppably, and, and no matter, they will have to shoot you, the devil will have to shoot you to stop you, you understand this real well, because you have to get this. If you don't get this as a foundation, you will stop evangelizing somewhere, sometime, someplace. And you will get discouraged, and you will give it up. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 10 says, Or saith he altogether for our sakes, for our sakes no doubt, that is written, that he that, here's the part I want to talk about, he that ploweth should plow in hope. And he that thresheth or reapeth in hope should be partaker of his hope. So whether we plow or whether we reap, we have one common denominator, is that we both share hope. The person that's out there throwing the seed out has hope. The person that is reaping also is partaker of the sower, and they, he has hope. What makes a farmer, I, I talked to some local farmers here that plant tomatoes, and when they plant tomatoes, it seems to be right about during the time of the year that we have frost. I know it's hard to believe, but we actually get below 32 degrees here. We're below the frost line. The frost line's up at, like at Venice, but for, it does get 28. At my house one time, it was 28 degrees for five hours. That's big for you Michiganders. It, it, hadn't, it hadn't been that warm summertime. But anyway, 28 degrees for five hours. Now, that just devastates a tomato crop, just devastates it. I mean, this one guy I talked to, he, he, I talked to him about it had frosted and took out 40 acres of tomatoes, some of the finest tomatoes you'd ever want to take. And he says, that's my second crop I've lost. I said, well, what's the cost for a crop? He says, about $200,000 to put 40 acres in. And he said, I lost that one. This year I planted again, $200,000. And I just lost that one. He was there when they were plowing it all under. They just would plow the whole thing under. And he says, I'm gonna, are you going to plant again? He says, I'm planting again. I'll plant another $200,000. Now, what, what, what can motivate a man to spend two hundred grand and then lose it? And spend another two hundred grand and lose it? 
and get ready to spend another 200 grand and lose it. And I said, what's going on? He says, well, son, and those was them old boys, even if, they're, even if they're younger than you, for some reason, they, son, he said, if I get one crop to market, I make a million dollars. He said, I only got to do it once every five. But he said, even if that didn't work, he said, if I won the lottery, I'd farm it till it was gone. That's the mentality of a farmer that loves to farm. That is the hope of a crop. Keeps that old boy going. If I just get one crop to market, I make a million dollars. And I'm going to go ahead and keep planting. I'm down now 600,000. I'm going to do it again. There's no place in Christianity for pessimism. Let me repeat that. There's no place in Christianity for pessimism. We serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. I know he liveth. Whatever men may say. I see his hand of mercy. I hear his voice of cheer. Just the time I need him, he's always there. He lives. He lives. Christ Jesus lives today. Man, I have hope. I may get stripped of all kinds of things in this life. Oh, I may get stripped of my health. I may get stripped of my mind. I may have a stroke and go around and slobbering outside of my mouth. I, I may end up in a, in a, in a wheelchair with, with my, and my son said he'd take care of me when I was old. My son said he'd take care of me when he was old. When I was old, I mean. He said he was going to buy a basset hound and let him keep me clean. I'm looking forward to that. Brother, we, if anything we got, we ought to have hope. Hope should never die on the altar of a man's heart. Man, you ought to have hope. Some of you say, preacher, you don't know how black and how dark it is in my life right now. But there is a glimmer of light if you're a born-again Christian. There is light at the end of the tunnel. Roman, let me, let me, let me, we, we worship and serve a God that his name is hope. Let me, let me give it to you. Romans 15, 13. Now the God of hope, the God of hope. Fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. When you get saved, the Holy Spirit comes in you to dwell with you forever. And he's the author of hope, of hope. Why the old scorner, the sluggard in the Bible, he don't, he don't have hope. In fact, he's got the opposite. Ecclesiastes 11.4 says, he that soweth to the wind uh, he, he that observeth the wind shall not sow. He's like, well, it costs a lot to bring those bus kids in. Well, those buses require a lot of money. Well, those, and they got a hundred reasons why you shouldn't do a bus ministry. They got a hundred reasons why nobody's going to respond when you go out there after those kids. Well, people today ain't what they used to be. Let me tell you, people are people. Oh, there may be some changes in certain little little fads and things. And uh, instead of giving a bicycle away, we give a drone, or give a couple drones away. I mean, that was different. Instead of giving a super soaker, we give a whole case of little Debbies. I never ate a little Debbie till this week. 
How many here have never had a little Debbie? Raise your hand. I feel bad for you. I mean, Chris, Chris Barrows, it's good to have a 20-something just to hang around him. It's good to hang around a newly married couple. It's good to hang around a newly saved person. And it's good to hang around a 20-something. They just kind of keep you fresh. I'm, I'm, so di- I'm so distant from the 20s that I begin to begin to fade on me. And he'll say, have you never had a little Debbie? Why, the zebras are the best. So I said, we're going to get a couple cases. We went to Costco and bought a whole case of them, 150-some of them for $32. I said, we're going to give them away as a second prize. And those kids, well, uh, Kevin Walker, ultimately his suggestion, he said, kids will do anything for a case of Little Debbie's. Well, I bet there's some sugar going on somewhere today. We support the National Foundation of Dentistry. But old sluggard will not plow by reason of the cold. Therefore, he shall beg and harvest and have nothing. There's a parallel between the illustration of farming and the responsibility we as Christians, which, by the way, are called keepers of the gospel. That's a biblical phrase. We're the keepers of the gospel. When I got saved, God handed to me the gospel and said, this treasure I'm going to give you in, this, in your, your earthen vessel, I'm going to give you a spiritual treasure in this earthen vessel, and I'm going to entrust you with this to spread it to be a sower of the gospel while you are walking around in this thing called the body or a tent. And while you're in that, while you're, you tell everybody you know, everywhere you know, wherever you go, that Jesus saves, Jesus saves. You're a keeper of the gospel. Oh, this corner of the sluggard, doubt the power of God to overcome the observable obstacles. Man, you know this. Nothing you ever did didn't have obstacles. There's a newly married couple over there. There's obstacles in marriage. To be happy in marriage, there's obstacles. They look at me like, what obstacles? You'll find out. Amen. There's obstacles to being friends with somebody. There's obstacles to coming to church. I just mentioned them earlier. There's obstacles to doing a VBS or VBC. There's obstacles to having door to door. Brother, nothing you ever do in life. In fact, if you don't have some resistance, I wonder how good it is. But the old scorner, and they're there, always, always with you will be the pessimist, the, the wall builder. Uh, a scorner or sluggard will prefer doubt and pessimism over hope and optimism. Based, because optimism is based on God's character. It's based on God's power. It's based on God's word. Pessimism is based on the inability of God to do what he said he would do. It doubts God. It doubts the power of God. In Romans chapter 14, verse 23, it says, He that doubteth is damned if he eat. Talking about different kinds of food. Because he eateth not of faith. But the key is the, to the phrase is that last part of the verse where it says, For whosoever, uh, for whatsoever is not of faith is sin. Ooh. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. You see where this is all going, how it all fits together? 
God says, I want you to go be an evangelist. And, and there's all kinds of obstacles to that. There's all kinds of resistances internally, externally. I'm inadequate. I don't know how to do it. I'm shy. I got a hundred reasons why I can't do it. And then there's external resistances. When you said the first person you come up to tells you, shut up, get out of here. I've heard that before. I don't discuss religion and politics. Uh, they'll do a hundred different resistances. So you got the internal resistance. You got the external resistance. God said to do it. Go in the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Do you believe him or don't you? It's all about faith and hope. But the pessimist said, oh, man. I got, you know, this and that, resistance, all these other things. I'm busy. I got a family to take care of. Brother, you take care of God's business, and God will take care of your family. Ooh, that's where we're coming today. You take care of God's. You put God first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. It's got to be above your family. It's got to be above everything in this world. Jesus won't settle for number two. He will only be number one. And you put him first, and your marriage will be better. You put him first, and your family will be better. You put him first, and your work will be better. What's it take to make that happen? Faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. God has given us a clear command to go and tell every creature under heaven about the Lord Jesus Christ. But the verse before he said to go into the world and go and teach all nations there in the last part of uh, Matthew chapter 28 in, in, in verse in 28, 19 and 20, in Matthew 28, 18, the verse before he says to go and teach all nations and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, and I'll be uh, with you always even at the end of the world. The, the verse before all that, remember before God says to go out and do all that, I want you to know the verse 18 of the 28th chapter of Matthew says, and Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Oh, glory. See, Jesus doesn't ask me to work for him and, 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 and doesn't have the power to help me. He's got the power. Well, the big rain on Monday morning, Monday, Monday morning, about noon, maybe it was about noon, we had vacation Bible school, Bible, vacation Bible camp. The old dog, hard teaching new tricks. We had this vacation Bible camp, Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night. We got Walker coming down with his whole crew. Man, we're all geared up for this thing. The bus people are all getting ready. They're taking off work, sacrificing, riding in them hot boxes we call buses. And they're willing to do it. Everything's in line. You know, the, the moon, the stars, and everything's lining up. And we get this rain in the afternoon, and it's so heavy that you can't see almost three feet in front of you. I'm talking, it's a, it's a belly gusher. It's, a, it's, it's unbelievable. And I'm just like, oh, Lord. And we've had it, what, for the last two weeks that way? And I go home. I'm, I'm depressed. I go home in the afternoon. I'm so depressed I go home and take a nap. You old people know what I'm talking about. You get so down, you're just like, I'm just going to go home and take a nap. I didn't want to do it here because I didn't want these young people to say, What's, what are you doing a nap for? Oh, shut up. So I go home, and I, I go home. I had to change, come back anyway. So I came home, and I got in. Uh, I got a recliner, uh, Lazy Boy by Brand. I whipped my Lazy Boy back there and just laid back and go, Lord Jesus, you know that rain's going to ruin the whole thing. That rain, man, it makes it dangerous. I'm thinking liability. The rain, and they'll be dropping them kids off, trying to pick them kids up. Can't see. The bus gets just like a sauna. 
you know, man, oh, Lord Jesus, it can't rain that hard. It can rain a little bit, but it can't rain that hard. Lord Jesus, please, this is your work. I'm not doing this for me. We're not doing this for me. We're not doing this for us. We're not doing this for gospel. We're doing this for you. Would you please take the rain out of here? It had been raining for two weeks pretty much every day. And then I turned the TV on after I woke up from my nap. And the weather got on there, and the guy said, there's a tropical depression forming out into Yucatan Peninsula. And I go, bing, 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 bing. Ooh, I know a little bit about weather. And I know that when you get tropical depression out there, it'll suck all the weather away from us because that tropical depression was moving to Texas. That means it was moving away from us. Oh, if it had been moving towards us, it had been horrible. I even thought about calling VBS off. And, 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 and it moved that, it took that old rain away from us, except for a few little sprinkles. And you know what happened? It took that old thing and took it up to Louisiana and Texas. They were having a drought anyway. And we were blessed. They were blessed and we were blessed. I had me a little spell. You say, Brother Bill had done that anyway. I didn't know that. I believe God did it because I my little 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 nobody in a in a uh in a, in a red recliner in his house said, God, please take that away. It happened with Elijah. He said not to rain three and a half years. It didn't rain. I believe that I, do you have the faith of a grain of a mustard seed? She said, if you do and you won't doubt, you'll move mountains. Do you believe? The basis of all of our evangelism is hope, but it's not just Hope not based on something of reality. It's based on the power of the living God who made heaven and earth, folks. Wow. I don't base it on the obstacles I see. I don't base it on the problems, the weaknesses, the statistics, the results, or the surveys that doubting men perform. I sow in hope based on the very power of God. People come to me and say, well, Brother Bill, I don't see results that equal all the money and all the effort put into the tracks, the door-to-door, the VBS, the bus ministry, et cetera. If what I do is based on sight, that's not hope. You say, brother, where do you get that? Romans, take your Bibles. Take your Bibles to Romans chapter 8 because you need to know where this is at. Romans chapter 8, verse 24 25. He defines it as clear as you're going to get it defined. 8, 24, and 25 says, where we are saved by hope. But hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, what doth he yet hope for? But if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. The key is patience. Uh, this, by the way, the word wait there does not mean like sit around and do this. It's like a waiter. A waiter doesn't sit around at a restaurant. A waiter don't sit around and, and just sit. A waiter's busy. A waiter's out there serving and doing. And we're to occupy till we come. That means to be busy till I come. She said, get busy. Get busy. Get busy. The opportunity you got, take it. Grab it. Use it. Ring it out. Take every, every, every last bit of energy and time and talents you got 
and, and to be busy about my business. Put me first, and I'll take care of you. And we do that based on hope. A lot of the of sowing, I've sown through gospel tracks since 18 years old. I've put tracks everywhere I travel. I put tracks in some of the most remote places, remote you can imagine up in Canada, up in eastern Canada, western Canada, Alaska, all throughout the, the 50, practically all 50 states, uh, place tracks in and out where I go, putting gas in the gas pump, put them around here. You almost can't buy a piece of clothes or a six-pack of Budweiser without a gospel track in it here. What do we do that for? Hope. We don't see people saved by the droves pouring into the back. We'd love to, but we're not seeing that happen that way. But our job is not the conversion. Our job is the sowing. God brings the increase. I'll show that to you. I'll prove it to you. God's the one that gives the increase. I'm to sow. Let me talk a little bit about the nature of the sower real quickly here. In Psalm 126, maybe one of the more famous places of all the Bible about sowing and reaping, uh, a sower is deeply committed. This farmer I talked to, I just told you about, I've told that story a few times. This farmer, I could tell one thing about that old boy, besides having a cowboy hat and, and cowboy boots and looking like a Western guy, he was committed to sowing. He was a committed farmer. He was a committed sower. In 126, 5, it says, They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, and that's the gospel, shall doubtless come again and with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. God says you're going to reap. Do you believe it? If you quit sowing, you don't believe it. If you quit sowing, you don't believe it. By your, by your actions, they speak louder than your words. If you quit sowing, then you don't believe it's, if it's worth the sowing. Because you quit sowing because you get discouraged. You don't think there's going to be, there's not enough visible results to keep you going. And consequently, you, God said there will be results. God said you just go forth and you just keep sowing. And I believe, how many people you think are going to be in heaven that got one of my gospel tracts and they got saved? I think there's going to be a whole bunch of them. That's going to be a beautiful day. Woohoo! We've already seen some results. We've seen some people say they got saved from gospel tracts. How many in this room got saved from a gospel tract, directly or indirectly? My wife's one of them. You're one of them. You're one of them. Yeah. A few here. How important is Kathy Lytell? How important is Abdiel? I think it's big. I think it's big. I always say this. If in VBS only one kid out of those 36 really got saved, it's worth every mile of the trip. But I think more than that really got born again. And the rest of them heard it. They're not going to be able to stand before God and say, I lived in a country where Christianity was in the majority and nobody told me about Jesus. I lived beside a Christian and he never came over and told me about Jesus. I drove by church after church and not one of them people in those churches came to my house and told me about Jesus. They're not going to be able to say that. If they live in Bonita and southern Fort Myers and North Naples. No. 
Name me a farmer who in the process of sowing reaping did not have many disappointments and tears. Watching your labor get plowed under, stolen, blown away, washed away, frozen, or eaten up with bugs. Keep sowing. There's no joy like long-awaited, hard-fought goal being reached. These high school graduates, 12 years of school, and trust me, you're, not, you're looking at a guy who did not like school. I love college. College was beautiful, and grad school was beautiful, but from, from first to 12th was purgatory. I don't believe in purgatory, but it, if there was a purgatory, it would be first to 12th grade. For me, I used to sit in my, in my desk. I got to take my glasses off for this, and I'd just do this. I wanted to be anywhere but school, anywhere, do anything. What had to be better than having some talking head up there trying to tell me to do stuff. Oh, man, my heart wasn't in that thing. Thank God. Thank God that they didn't throw me out, <laughs> that I got to learn how to read. Woo but, man, when I got to graduate from high school, 963 other people or two other people graduated with me. And I mean, man, I couldn't believe it. I got to graduate from high school, a long-awaited goal. It was one of my first long-awaited goals that I got to have happen was I got to graduate from high school. And then when I went to college, I squeezed four years of college into seven years. And I'll never forget when I got to march across that stage at Bob Jones University, I was graduating from college. I couldn't even believe a long-awaited goal fulfilled. What joy filled my soul. Oh, three years later, I got to graduate with a master's degree from Pensacola Christian College. Oh, I couldn't even believe Bill Whitetail, who didn't even like school, got to walk across there and get my shake hands with uh, Arlen Horton and get my degree over there at PCC. There was a joy. I'm telling you, there's a joy about a long-awaited goal being accomplished that no quick fix is ever going to match. Now, what do you think is going to happen when you die and you get ushered into heaven? And maybe Jesus, I don't know how he's going to do it, but he's going to say, these people right here responded to the gospel that you gave, that I gave through you. Jesus gets all the glory. Ooh, I think glory going to fill your soul. Woo! Heaven's not the golden streets. It's not the gates of pearl. It's not the freedom from the evil nature. It's not the freedom from the curse. As much as it will be the joy of knowing that there will be many people that are in heaven because you were willing to obey God and so. Remember, the gospel is the power of God and salvation. I'm not. It's, not. it's not the quality of the sower. It's the quality of the gospel. I'm sowing the gospel empowered by the Holy Ghost. And that's a, that's a winning combination, amen? The Holy Spirit and the gospel. Ooh, that's a winning combination. He said, just get up off your lazy posterior and 
do it. Man, if I could grab some of you folks and shake you. You are missing the greatest opportunity that, that, that has ever been afforded a man besides getting saved is to be able to share that salvation with people around you. By the way, through every means that you can possibly do it, do it. Woo! Wow. Paul said, I planted Apollos water, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither is he that watereth, but God who gave the increase. That's the Bible. In 1 Corinthians 3, 9, it says, for we are laborers together with God. We get to join in a teamwork, a good sower. The nature of the sower is he understands teamwork, or she understands teamwork. It takes all of us put together. It takes your hand and my hand. You, no, there ain't nobody in this room that's unimportant in the process of sowing the gospel. We need to join hands, join finances, join encouragement, jointly encourage each other around and say, let's go, let's keep at it, let's go. Why? Once in a while we get down. Once in a while we get resistance. We need to constantly be encouraging each other, constantly be, be pointing to the goal that God has given us and constantly be doing that which he's asked us to do. In hope. In hope. Driven by hope. If it depended on me, we'd be all in trouble, but it depends on God. It depends on God. We can't lose. I think of Reverend Ike. Reverend Ike was a, actually a charlatan. I heard him on the radio once. He says, you can't lose with the stuff we use. I just like that phrase. I, I, I didn't like him, but I like the phrase. You can't lose with the stuff. You can't lose with what we have, brother. Woo! Use it by the grace of God. We work together as teamwork. The reapers should not castigate the sower. The sowers should not castigate the reaper. Each of us go in together. Uh, some reap 30-fold, some 60, some 100. We should not be envious of those who have more people saved through them than to get saved through us. We should all look at this like we're on the winning team. I hope Brother Irvine has a million people saved through him. I hope Brother uh, Mike tomorrow here has, has two million people saved through him. I, I, I hope Brother Gusby has three million people saved through him. Man, if I love people, I want them to do better than I have. You're a parent out there. Don't you want it better for your kids than what you had? Don't you want them to excel further than what you have? Don't you want them to love God more than what you have loved him? Don't you want them to know the Bible more than what you've known it? Don't you? If you love somebody, you want them to excel past you. We should be joint encouragement to each other. Thirdly, he said, Brother Bill, I didn't know there was two points. Well, that's, there you go. A sower understands that someone, someday, that he will be held accountable for the seed he's been given. I'm not going to take time this morning to read Luke chapter 19, verse 11 through 27, parable of the sower. Uh, not the sower, parable of the pounds. But the Bible says that God called the ten people in front of him. He gave him, he gave him each... 10 pounds. Gave him equal, equal, 10 pounds value. And he said, now, you, well, I'm going I'm to go back to heaven. You take care of this. I'm going to go back. You take care of it. That's what God's done for us. 
He's given us the equal amount of the gospel of Jesus Christ. One of them from one pound made ten pounds. One of them from five pounds made, from one pound made, made five pounds. But one of them took the pound and hid it in the ground, said, I knew you were a tough guy, and I just wanted to keep the pound. I, I'm saved, he said. You know, I got mine, but I didn't want to tell him because I may fail. I may not explain it just so-so. I may not do this. And, you know, that's that pessimism again. That's that, that's that 100 reasons why, uh, or 50 reasons why not to succeed. And, man, you read that Luke chapter 19, verse 11 through 27, and you're going to see Jesus interpret that. And, brother, that old boy who took that, who took that pound that was given him, those 10 pounds, and didn't do anything with it, brother, you know, he didn't get treated too well. I, I tell you what, you don't want to stand before Jesus Christ who bled on the old rugged cross and was scourged and hair plucked out and the crown of thorns and left the glory of heaven for you, for you because he loved you. You don't want to stand because you're going to stand before Jesus Christ, the judge of the heavens, the judge of living and the dead, the judge of the whole earth. You're going to stand before Jesus Christ. You're not standing before God the Father. Oh, no. Get it clear. Uh, the Bible teaches clearly that Jesus Christ is going to be in, for that, in front of that great white throne judgment. He's also going to be the one judging at the bema seat of Christ for the Christians. So Jesus Christ is going to judge the Christians. He's also going to judge the lost. He's the judge. And you don't want to stand as a, as a Christian in front of the bema seat of Jesus Christ and having taken that, thing, that, that news of the gospel and kept it to yourself in some sort of false pretense that you didn't, you didn't feel like you were an extrovert or you didn't feel like you were adequate up to, or up to the job. He said, it wasn't up to you. It was the Holy Spirit I gave you. He was going to empower the gospel. Your job was just to sow it. Brother, we're to sow. We're keepers of the gospel. We're to sow carelessly. We're to sow frequently. We're to sow vigorously. We're to sow intensely. I don't want passing tracks out. Well, start liking it. I used to tell my mother, I don't like peas. She said, you're going to sit there and eat them or you ain't going to bed. In fact, you're not going to have anything else but peas until you tell me you like them. I love peas, Mom. Salt them, put butter on them. Believe it or not, I hated peas as a kid, but I was made to eat them. But you know what's crazy? One of my favorite of all vegetables is peas. I like cold peas. I like mushy peas. I like pea soup, which is spoiled peas mixed together. I will go in a restaurant and order pea soup. And when I do that, nobody's there but me. My mom and dad are all gone. But if my mom would sit there, she'd go, unbelievable, it worked. <laughs> Quit majoring on what you can't do and start majoring on what God can do. If God be for you, who can be against you? Just do it. Take some gospel tracts and just pass them out. Oh, I don't. I think we ought to give gospel tracts one to one, person to person. Uh, uh, that's nice, but just leave them everywhere. Because I've heard more people saved by picking up a discarded tract than I've heard of people that received it one to one. In my little experience, 
I've heard more people get saved from picking a, a track out of the trash or picking it off of the ground or picking it on, off in a, in, a, in a box of something they purchased or picking it out of a piece of clothes. I've heard more people get saved incidentally from just finding a gospel track than I have from this so-called noble one-to-one method. I'm, a, I'm for it all. I'm for passing one-to-one. I'm for dropping them everywhere. I'm for leaving them everywhere. I'm for putting them everywhere. Why? It's the power of God under salvation. How to end well in evangelism. Number one, have hope. Believe in the power of Almighty God and just simply obey God when he says to do it. Do it every way you can do it. I don't know of any bad method of evangelism. We go to prisons and evangelize. We go to nursing homes and evangelize. We go to trailer parks and evangelize. We go door to door and evangelize. We go bus ministry and evangelize. We do VBS and evangelize. We do July 4th and evangelize. We do every kind of thing. And if you, we go to a flea market and evangelize. Every, if you can think of another way to do it, let's do it. We pass out free ice cream and evangelize. We'll just do it anyway. Any way that's moral and legal, and maybe even illegal if, the, if, if Hillary had been elected, it'd be illegal. But because uh, Trump got elected, at least it's still legal. And we can go in any way, whether it's if it's legal. And I'm going to tell you, there may come a time when it's illegal. And I'm still going to evangelize because I'm willing to go to jail. In fact, I'll be honest with you, I'm willing to die by the grace of God if he'll give me the courage. I'm willing to die for the gospel because it's the power of God and our salvation, everyone to believe it, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. May God help us. Father, help us get the vision of this. Help us to pass the test. Help us to be obedient sowers. Forgive us where we've gotten caught up in the obstacles, where we've gotten caught up. A lot of times, I think it's just an excuse to be a slugger, just be lazy. Don't want, just don't want to give up our stuff and go do God's stuff. Forgive us where we've been lazy. Forgive us where we've been had every kind of reason why not to do it rather than why to do it. Father, forgive us where we've, where we've said if we had results, we'd do it, but because we don't get results, we're not going to do it. Help us to be like that old farmer who put 200 grand in the field over and over and over again. Because he knew someday, somehow, somewhere, he was going to get results. And we know someday, somehow, somewhere, we are getting results. Because God says it twice in the Bible, my word shall not return void. Twice in the Bible. Father, help us just to believe God. Forgive us where we've been doubting. Help us to have the strength. Revive us in this area, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you can contact us at gospelbaptistchurch.com for our website. Or go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church, Bonita Springs, Florida. Or call the office at 239 239- 947-1285. Thank you. God bless.